morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Tuesday, December 12th, we're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. In today's text, St. Paul speaks about the way that God arranges his people as members in the body of Christ. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Harrison Goodman. Pastor Goodman serves as content executive for the Lutheran youth organization, Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Great to be with you. As we get started today, Pastor, talk to us about some context. What should we know about this epistle and what Paul's been saying leading up to this section? So uh, we have just sort of gotten over um, a, a part in the first uh, part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is sort of reminding people that, um, listen, this is not a contest. Your, your, your justification is in Jesus. Uh, there, there's going to be lots of different things that are happening, and that, that's great. But if you're using them um, for yourself, is that really any better than the ways that you were before when you were, were pagans following the ways of the demons? Uh, it's, it's a reminder that, that Corinth is, in, in a lot of ways, which I, I'm sure has been made clear by now, um, a pretty contemporary location. Uh, there, there's just, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And it, it's, it's to me, just extremely comforting um, to, to read Paul just sort of yell at these people. Uh, first of all, because we can recognize, I know these things actually are bad and were meant to be bad then too, because Paul was actually writing to Christians and saying, hey, you guys knock it off. Uh, but, but also because, well, God kept his church through Corinth. Um, if, if the church can survive Corinth, that the church can survive America. Let's, let's just all take a breath and, uh, and then see what we can see. It is always remarkable to see how often Paul addresses them as brothers or saints. I mean, he uses these terms that are for Christians. That is, who the, that is who he's writing to, or he's writing to Christians, even with all of their sins. Uh, just uh, by way of context, you know, chapter 12, the first part is obviously important, and we'll see how that builds on it. In this text, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about the body of Christ. That's the language Paul uses. Mm-hmm. Talking about the church, but we also have the body of Christ coming up in chapter 11 concerning the body of Christ in the sacrament. Just as an introduction, and this may come up more as we talk, how do those two things relate to each other, the body of Christ and the sacrament, the fact that the church is called the body of Christ? So um, I, I kind of go to Ephesians for this one. Um, it, it's Ephesians uh, that, that tells us that he, uh, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we are the body of Christ because we're stuck to him who is the head. He fills us. And so one of the ways that then that we are, are identified as the church by receiving the marks of the church, we receive the body of Christ uh, and, and the blood. And here it, it becomes a, a better identifier than all of the other ways that we would sort of try and mark who really is a Christian and who's not. And, and Corinth, again, is sort of a great example because you, you go through the the descriptions of what the people are doing and you're like there's no way these these are brothers in christ these are this is fox news and we're, we're complaining about the pagans this is about the other people um when we start with with who christ is and are we attached to christ have we received christ it, it's a lot easier to talk about a church with um both a, a degree of nuance that lets us uh find both sinners and saints in the same people 
uh, but also in a way that gives us sort of actual hope that's rooted in more than just trying harder or kicking certain people out. All right. So with that introduction, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go on, let's read the text. This is 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. That is our text for today. It's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31. So, Pastor Goodman, we've already introduced this concept, the body of Christ, which is the primary reality that Paul speaks about here. Keep talking more about verses 12 and 13, the way Paul introduces it. So it's it's important to start to recognize where the church is um, and, and who the church is, uh, because, well, you look around, and like Corinth being a good example, honestly, your own parish or my own parish being a good example, you can find people in there you don't like, and when you don't like them, it's just a whole lot easier to imagine they're not Christian. You can also find all kinds of, of, of sin being forgiven, um, it, and and all of it, a, a spirit who who baptizes uh, into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and, and makes to drink of one spirit. Uh, the church then is the, the collective body of Christians and the mystical body of Christ. Uh, we can talk about the, the church, and in English it's a sloppy language. We don't sort of have like nuanced words for this. And so when I say I'm going to church, I might just mean sort of the address where my particular congregation resides. Uh, I, I, I might mean I'm going to receive uh, the, the word in sacraments. I, I, I might mean... Uh, this is the, the place where the, the, the elect are gathered. Um, and, and in all of it, it's, it's, it's hard to parse. Um, it, the problem sort of gets even more complex when you actually step foot inside uh, because you can, you can determine exactly who and where the church is, but when we mix the two together, it gets, well, difficult. So uh, it, in other words, we can, we can talk about who the church is. They are the believers. 
uh, the problem is you cannot identify uh, or, or observe this faith anywhere. We, we can go to the Pharisee and the tax collector, the good old-fashioned parable, where like the only reason we know the answer is because Jesus tells us the answer. Because if we were to look at it and say, I can clearly tell which one of these two has faith, it's always the Pharisee who actually goes to church and observes the tenets of the law, tithes, that's important. Uh, he, he does all of these things that, that he should be doing and yet has no faith. And then you see the tax collector who who outwardly seems to have none of these things, but beats his breast and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, has genuine faith. You can identify who the church is as the people who have faith. And you can identify where the church is um, by the public marks. You can say this is a place where the gospel is preached and it's truth and purity and the sacraments are administered according to God's institution. And that, that is enough for the unity of the church. But then then we, we always try and measure and say, all right, so um, is... Are you having every Sunday communion? Because if you're not having every Sunday communion, like, are you the church? Uh, what if what if you're at the Roman Catholic Church it, it, so the, the gospel isn't being preached? Like what's, what's happening there? And you, you inside of the church, you are all hip. The whole thing is so messy that we need a whole chapter almost uh, of Paul just sort of laying out, this is what we actually are. We need to sort of set aside uh, the, the way that you would sort of measure these things. Because when we attach the, the marks of the church to individuals— um, we, we end up either trying to undo faith, in other words, we say these are good people, so they're obviously Christian, or overdo works and say, I can tell they're, they're Christian because they are being good. Uh, but Paul simply tries to define the church here then is, are you attached to Jesus? It's so much simpler. Are you attached to Jesus? And that also makes it easier then to, to parse when churches get messy, uh, because it, it's, it's, heartbreaking to, to find a church full of people that you love, that you grew up with, that, that you know that you will sing in heaven with most of, um, seem to really hate each other, seem to really hurt each other, seem to be filled with things that do not mesh with the things that God call, calls good, right, and salutary. Uh, meat right and salutary, if you like the other one. Uh, we got to fight about that too. There's so much to fight <laughs> about. Um, and, and inside of all of it, uh, we, we, we simply get to say, where is Jesus? I want to be near to Jesus, and if you are near to Jesus, if you are if you are attached to Jesus, it's going to be okay. Let's take a let's take a deep breath, and then we can start to to sort through the whole thing. It lets us talk about denominations uh, and church fellowship. It lets us talk about just sort of even wanting to to maintain Thanksgiving with Aunt Ida, but but also a unity with God in, in the Eucharist meal of Thanksgiving, and and both of those don't always go hand in hand. Uh, this is this is going to be really really helpful because uh, the one thing that Paul gives us is that. This is not as messy as, as human works would make it be. Uh, the focus on Christ and where he is and whether or not I, I'm attached to him, I think is a really important and helpful thing, especially in the context of this epistle in which Paul began by keeping the focus on Christ and him crucified. That's what he's there to preach. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to who the church is, it's going to be centered around Christ and him crucified. And to what you're saying about the, you know, in the way that I, I will talk about this mystery sometimes is that there is one church, but that one church has invisible aspects and it has visible aspects. Right. And so the the invisible aspects and the way that I like to you can't play a duck duck goose. You can't pay play pagan pagan Christian or, or the opposite. Right? <laughs> so you you don't you and I don't get to look and see the faith in another person's heart or lack thereof. But what we can see is where Christ is present according to his promise. And in those marks of the church where Christ is, we know he is gathering his church around those places. And so where those marks are present, where Christ is present, we know the church is there, even though we can't see 
individually who who truly has faith and who truly doesn't. And, and I think both of those things are important, knowing that there is the invisible aspect and also the visible aspect, so that we, again, it, that does take away the messiness, as you're talking yeah. about. Right. It lets you look at the promises of Christ instead of the works of your neighbor. Um, and then then when you talk about everything else, it's it's simpler. So um, there is one church, you said, but there's a lot of denominations, and every last one of them is convinced that um, they are the absolute right one. And some of them are even convinced that they'll be the only ones up there. Um, and here we get to say denomination is a filthy word. That is one of the, the, the most profane words in my vocabulary. Uh, and I can even say it on the radio. Um, but it means that the church that I love so much is is broken to the point that, that we can't even share a furnace, let alone a pastor. Um, and, and that's not a good thing. There is one truth, though. Um, and, and in fact, uh, I, I believe in, in 1 Timothy, Paul talks about the church as the pillar of truth. It is the, the truth that holds up the church. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. He is the head. Um, are, are you willing to sort of forsake fellowship with the head so that you can be best friends with the thumb? It doesn't make sense. Um, and you get to recognize then that there's a lot of people who disagree, and, and some of it's over some pretty profound things. But again, what is the promise of Christ? Are hmm. our, our, our even our, our Methodist friends in Christ, brothers in Christ, gathered around him who who has preached for the forgiveness of sins. And here we get to say, I don't know exactly what's in their heart. I know that the devil's given a lot, a lot of rope to run rampant in the church where the word is rejected. But I also know that Christ saves and not one who has been given to him will be lost even amongst the church that, that doesn't have our synodical affiliation. And so I just get to rest in the promises of Christ. And then I get to, to go into to, uh, my own congregation and, and do the same thing. And instead of sort of trying to parse through my works or the works of somebody else to say, are they really saved? I get to say, what does Christ say about them? And then I get to, to fall on the promises that, that our Lord makes, who is risen from the dead. There, there's, there's comfort there. Yeah, when it comes to the matter of, of different confessions of faith, the the like you said, where Christ is present according to his promise, where the gifts of Christ are there, we rejoice. Where they are rejected, we mourn. We don't take yeah. those things, uh, that's certainly not to, we don't, we don't take that un, unseriously, that's not a right word, but you know, right? we that's don't take that lightly. There we go. Yeah. That's what <laughs> we don't take it lightly when, when those who claim the name of Christ are rejecting what he would give them. But at the same time, we do rejoice where they receive his promise according to the way that he has given it. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's not, a, not a pleasant thing to talk about. I do think what you said about thinking about this in the context of our own congregation is, is really something that sometimes we, we keep at arm's length when it comes to this text. We, we look at this text and we want to talk about, well, what about the Methodist or what about the Baptist? And that's certainly involved in this whole epistle. But I think we would all always do better to keep it more local. How does this apply to me and my congregation with the person I'm sitting next to? As as the pastor, I don't sit next to anybody, so I can say that. I sit up front by myself. <laughs> it matters, I think, all the more here, though. If, if we're talking about the body of Christ, there's an intimacy involved here yes. that, that, yeah, um, really, really matters. Uh, and it lets us talk about, um, well, lets us talk about vocation. Uh, and the whole sort of bit coming about uh, the eyes speaking to the hand, I, I know that, like, you can't actually talk, but it, it lets us just <laughs> confront the fact that the table of duties is unbalanced. It is unfair. Uh, and in all of sort of the most, the, the most, uncomfortable places where we sort of look at each other and we say, that seems like inequality. Uh, God is actually working some of the greatest good. Um, you can go then to, to how the husband would address the wife, and you have the, the 
wickedly uncomfortable conversation in Ephesians chapter 5 about wives submitting to their husbands, but then you keep reading and it says, as the church submits to Christ, who is its head, and realize we're talking about this. And so you can look at it and you can say the, the vocation between husband and wife, it seems imbalanced. It seems like the power is given only to, to one side and the other one just sort of has to endure it. Vocations are, they're, they're not fair because they're not about your works. They're actually about the gifts that you would receive from our Lord through your neighbor. And so should the eye say to the hand, I have no no use of you because you are not as, as power? No, by no means. Um, but but rather we get to sort of say the 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 wife gets to simply receive. And and this is this is the better image of the church. This is in fact the greater witness to to receive. Um the, the one who does, well that's that that's our Lord. And and our examples of it are are imperfect at best. Uh, but but rather you get to say that the husband is is to stand in the stead of, of Christ in this way and, and sacrifice for the for the wife. And it's not about who has more power, but where is Jesus to be found? And if you're taking away Jesus, you're already perverting the vocation. You're already doing great injustice. And so of course it's gonna look sinful and and like misogyny. And and that the problem isn't the misogyny at this point. It's that you took Jesus out long before the misogyny could ever enter in. Uh, you can go to parents and children and, and recognize just sort of how profoundly unfair it is that that my son, even when I am wrong and he is right he's still wrong uh he, he he's finding out just how uh how much he does not like this thing uh, as he starts to get smarter than me i'm still right because i'm his dad that fourth commandment's awesome i love it right now i hated it when i was his age uh but it's jesus who says let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them for of such belongs the kingdom of god you look at the the, the power differential between parent and child and you realize just how unfair it is uh because your kids are right when when they say it's not fair it's not fair but it's good uh it, it's good that jesus would not invite the adults who can pull their own weight it, it's good that that christ would insist uh that that the helpless would be the ones that, that he would mark as the kingdom of God. And then when we start to talk about who the body of Christ is, it stops being a competition. It's not about whether or not you're a hand or a foot or um, an immodest part. Uh, I know that pastors are supposed to be the, the mouth of Christ, but sometimes I feel like something else, that the more immodest part, and that might be the best definition for why I need vestments that I've ever actually found. Uh, we need to cover up my sin, my, my humanity, all the things that are wrong with me because, well, they require a greater modesty so that you might ever hear Jesus from me, a sinner, when I preach. Mm. It, I'm gonna, it, it, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I wanted to back things up a little bit, Pastor Goodman, because when we talk about the body of Christ, and Paul, you know, he, he doesn't, at least to, until he gets to the end, he'll bring up apostles, prophets, etc. Mm -hmm. But as he's talking about the various parts of the body, the hand, the foot, the eye, the ear, all the, you know, he never really defines what he's talking about. You've, you've used vocation, and I, th I think you're right, but I think there's also Christians that'll hear these things like, well, I'm an acolyte, or I'm an elder, or I'm on the church council, or I just come on Sundays and I don't do any of those things. Like, what? <laughs> and again, those aren't out of bounds, I would think, but maybe they're not all. How about, what, what are we talking about, these various roles, members that are... Or what, what is the sense of hearing or sight? Help us with those kind of definitions. So I, I think probably the best thing in the world to do is just stop talking about it that way. Um, <laughs> and should you be an acolyte? Well, do you, does your church have candles that need to be lit? Do you, do you sort of fit there? There are some vocations where the description is already sort of made very clear in other places. So like husband, there, there's a gender that's required for this. Um, pastor, uh, there, there, there are um, more than just a gender required for it. There's a whole list of, of things that, that Paul would give to Timothy. Uh, it's a noble task. But at the same time, uh, you get to actually say, it doesn't matter what part of the body I am. It matters whether or not I'm attached to the 
head. And if I'm attached to the head, then the rest of the body matters too. And it doesn't matter whether or not they're important enough for my time and my energy and my prayers. Um, we're going to eventually build into a, a, a discussion about the office of the ministry. But even then, uh, it was so charged, this differentiation between are you a clergy or are you a lay person? Is there, is there more value in being a clergy? Is there more value in being a certain kind of clergy? Like, can you even do cool clergy stuff? Like, do you even have a podcast? Because there are, there are miracle workers and podcasters and, and people speaking in tongues and these three things. Like, it, that's what you need if you're going to do the thing. Um, and it, set it aside. And then recognize if you are part of the body, you are attached to Christ. That's a really good place to be. And then if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so whether you are on uh, the church council or an elder or an acolyte or knitting quilts in the back room or simply just in the back pew praying for the saints, God be praised for you, but not because you're doing those things, but because Christ has knit you into his body and remains your head. And then then when you get to look around, you say, is there something my church needs that I am I am equipped to do? Is there a place where I can love my neighbor and, and recognize that God will work through that and bless that? And so the, the churches need elders, um, even though the way that we talk about elders in our congregations isn't in the Bible. Um, that There's no such thing as a voters meeting in sacred scripture. God be praised. Um, and, and then, you, but at the same time, we, we got to figure this stuff out. So what if I could lend my my time, my talents, and my treasures, which is the way to talk about it, uh, to these things? And, and it stops being a contest, which body part are you on the body of Christ? It matters more. Are you attached to the head? That's, that's the only thing I want to talk about. Mm, yeah. And it strikes me as, as Paul goes through the list of, again, the, either the body parts talking I think they're at first they're talking to themselves and then they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that both of those things are important. So in, in verses, oh, let's see, 14 and following, the foot is saying, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. And then the ear is saying, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong. So in, in those cases, it sounds like the body parts are talking to themselves, thinking they have no value because they're not like someone else. Mm-hmm. So you can see the the danger of of comparison of gifts there. Which would make me make me grumble. I don't, despair is maybe not quite is maybe too strong of a word, but would would make me think less of myself than what Christ has given me because He's attached me to the body. So to be a, a member of the body is is one of the ways in which I am given to to have comfort in my for myself, knowing that I'm attached to Christ, even if I'm attached to Him with different gifts than my neighbor next to me in the pew. It's so important you said that, um, that, that first we talk to ourselves and then we talk to our neighbor. You said it was important. I honestly think it might just be more destructive. Uh, when I'm left alone with my own thoughts, it doesn't actually build me up. Mm. It, it tears me down. And, and honestly, when I then turn towards my neighbor, um, I, I compare myself. And, and it, that's the thief of joy. And I am a worse pastor than all the other pastors and a, a, a worse believer than all the people I'm supposed to serve. There, there's just nothing but emptiness. And the thing that actually finally binds the body together here is, is suffering. It's beautiful. Like the, the one thing that makes everybody sort of shut up, stop talking bad about themselves and stopping bad about each other, it's suffering. When one of us hurts, the whole thing stops and, and everybody actually just hurts together, prays together and rejoices together. This is this is why we pray too. Like this is why we have a, a list of prayers for our church. Everybody on your, your prayer list on Sunday, there, there's somebody in your pews losing sleep over that person. That's why you're praying for them. We all hurt together. But for, for just a minute, let, let's actually recognize that there's something greater here knitting us together that is that is the victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil in Christ our Lord. Um, and, and where that happens, like it, it's Luther's old analogy about your little toe, you know, like how often do you think about your little toe? Well, when you stub it, that's the only thing you can think about. Um, and, and, and it's precious because then you can stop, am I important enough in the church to, to get a plaque 
a, a portrait? A, a, can I get a sculpture of me after I leave? Um, or, or will they just sort of spit in the ground and, and curse a little bit after I'm gone? Uh, but, but in all of it, you can say, well, was I knit to Christ? that god yeah. be praised for that and where there's yeah. suffering that's actually where the bickering finally stops because we we're finally actually used by the spirit to care for each other yeah i, I like what you said about the, there is a danger when we start talking to ourselves and i think again it's it seems that the matter of comparison is what gets it all started so i i look at myself i compare myself to another member of the body and one one potential is to to speak to myself that's no good and and of course it is the word of god that must come to me from the outside <laughs> to draw me out of that if, if I compare myself to others then and I choose not to talk to myself, I start talking to them, then I, then I start speaking, and this is where you get into verses 21 and following, I start saying, I don't need you, and, and that's, that's a terrible way of, of thinking as well. Very destructive, to use the word you did before. Yeah, I mean, Jesus knits you together, so like you might not think that you have need of it, but but Jesus put them there. Um, and and whether or not the, the question of need is being answered in your neighbor, it's definitely being answered in your Lord. And then you get to recognize, like, church isn't a whole bunch of people who get together to take care of you. Church is everybody bringing their sins to Jesus, that they might receive forgiveness, life, and, and salvation. You're there for the same reason that they're there. Um, it, it's when you, you look at somebody and you say, I don't understand how they could be a Christian. I, I, I have no need of them in my church. You get to say, well, maybe they have a need of your Lord. That, mm. that might be the thing to talk about. Yeah, and again, that, that keeps the focus on who Christ is, whether or not I'm, I'm joined to him. That's, that's where my focus needs to be, is on being joined to the head who is Christ, together with my fellow members. We'll pick up more of those thoughts on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Harrison Goodman this morning about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Lutheran Church Extension Fund exists to support Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and church workers. How do we do this? Your investment with LCEF makes it possible for LCMS churches, schools, organizations, and church workers to receive low-cost loans for new and growing ministries. And faithful Lutherans like you, church members and church workers alike, make that possible when you invest with LCEF. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Tuesday, December 12th. We're studying 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31 with Pastor Harrison Goodman. He is the content executive for the Lutheran Youth Organization Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, within this long section where the body parts are talking to themselves or to each other, there's a number of places where where the, the Apostle Paul reminds us who's in charge of this whole thing. Uh, the first one that, that I note in the, the text is in verse 18, where he says, as it is God arranged the members in the body. Uh, this, is, this is God's doing, which is reminiscent of the way that he spoke in the previous part of this chapter, that, that all of the gifts that he, he spoke about, they are given by the Spirit, who does so according to his will. And so to be 
to become discontent within the body of Christ is, is not only to sin against our neighbor, as we were talking about previously, but it is also to, to be discontent with God and, and the way that he would arrange things according to his purposes. Yeah, um, and it's also, uh, well, pretty much guaranteed to happen just because of that. It, it's, it's comforting that way, if you think about it. Um, if God is the one who arranged it uh, this way, well, I, as somebody who has to have old Adam drowned in him every single day, can pretty well expect to wake up and find at least a little bit of discontent, a little bit of grass is greener on the other side, a little bit of frustration with, I could do it better if, or, well, I just don't like how little I'm valued. Um, all of these things are, are not the things that, that you overcome, but rather the things that, that Christ rips away from you, crucifies, and, well, it also never, ever, ever uses them as an excuse to, well, not have you tied to the body. Because it, it is still the... the um, what it's it's the ungrateful hand that's still attached to the body it's the ungrateful mouth that's still attached to the body it's it's beautiful this way because then church is not measured by your praise but by god's gifts um which has ties to a lot of other things i suppose if you wanted to pull on that thread uh but at the same time, um, the, the thing to rather look at is, well, God arranged it. And so not only is it, it you're expected to, to sort of struggle with it, but he's expected to work there, which means you can expect your God to speak to you through your pastor, even if you don't like him. You can expect, um, despite the fact that, that your, your LWML might, might be women that, that are, are a lot older than you and you don't understand why they're, they're so caught up in the things that they're, they're still going to take care of you. They're still going to be the ones decorating the church. They're still going to be the ones caring for everybody at every funeral. Uh, it, it, it's, it's incredible that, that when, again, sin brings about suffering, suffering and, and death rear their heads, the church is still the church operating as the body of Christ under him who is the head. And, well, as God arranged it, it functions. The, the wheels have not fallen off this bus despite the fact that, well, it, it's us that are making it up and... there are social clubs that don't endure the way the church does simply because they're full of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking through the the third article, the explanation that the the Holy Spirit is the one who does all of this. He calls, he gathers, enlightens, he keeps. Keeps. This is the the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit within the church, not just the the calling to faith, as we talked about in the previous text. You only confess Jesus as Lord by the Holy Spirit, but now the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, that's what's being described here in the rest of the chapter 12. Right. And and the the way that he does it matters, especially here, because the, the way that he keeps us is not sort of by sort of erasing our will. And um, instead, just sort of making us super okay with everything that happens here. And it's also not by just sort of giving us a pep talk. I know you want to quit, man, but you just got to do it one more time. Uh, but rather, it is by daily and richly forgiving the sins of me and all believers. How does How is it that the church is kept? How are the wheels still on this bus? Well, every single day, your sins are forgiven there. And the sins of your neighbor are forgiven there. That's the thing that's holding us all together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is this is the work of the Holy Spirit to keep the the church together as one body. As you were talking about some of the the ways that this plays out in everyday congregational life, it, this text has struck me recently as we need to be together physically. And the the ways that you were talking about the body of Christ supporting each other, those are physical things, like real everyday normal things, ordinary things that we we do. And we, we need to be together. And this was something that, that I reflected upon first, probably, or at least for more deeply, during the times of COVID when we weren't together. But just to think about this, that the, the church is the body of Christ. 
And that's, I don't think we should talk about that as the picture. We should talk about it as the reality. We are the body of Christ. And if we are the body of Christ, then our bodies actually need to be together with, with each other's bodies. Like, I think this text speaks very much to that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're pretty well at the point now where we should go ahead and address the catechism. It should be the devil, the world, our own sinful flesh, and COVID. Um, but like it, at the same time, has taught us a lot. Uh, if if I, I really am part of the body of Christ, well, if you cut your hand off, keep it in the, well, quarantined in, in, in the closet for two years, it's it's actually probably not going to be healthy for the hand uh, when you go and visit it later. And, and we saw it play out. Um, there are people who sort of disappeared and, and never really came back. There, there are, there were stressors, there, there were longings, there were, there were losses. It was not enough to simply all say, well, we're going to all watch the same Zoom or YouTube channel uh, once a week at some point, probably variously throughout. The, we'll probably at least get the highlights. Somebody will tell us about it. Uh, you see just sort of how it it sort of festers. Um, but but rather, if we are, are knit together, uh, it actually, again, lets us confront suffering. Um, it, it, I'm going to keep following on that because suffering is a physical thing too. Um, it, it's a mental anguish. It, it is. It has those those connotations, but it is a physical thing. Um, when, when your soul is, is, is being afflicted, your body hurts. When your mind is being afflicted, you don't want to get up. It's hard to take a shower. Um, and, and when all of these things happen, uh, one of the things that are actually given is, is well, an incarnate church, uh, a, a body of Christ knit together under him who is the head. And so the way that all of the body cares for the least of these when it hurts, when it suffers, is we, we all actually suffer together. Like it's not even just that we alleviate their suffering. We all sort of rub some extra Jesus on it and, and then it's all better. But rather, I'll suffer with you. If you're hurting, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to your house and, and suffer with you. If, if, you're, if you're hurting, I'm going to pray with you. If you're hurting, we're going to gather in, in God's house around God's gifts, around God's altar, and we'll be sustained together. And the, the the evil thing about sort of the, the disincarnate church, the Gnostic church, the idea that we can sort of uh, have a disembodied church, uh, is that it leaves, a, it leaves out every single physical concrete way that God would knit us together, that God would actually use uh, those things to attach us not only to each other, but chiefly to him who is the head. Because like our, our ability to sort of like ride this thing out together, I, I, you, you did quarantine with your family. How'd that go? I, towards, towards the beginning, it was like, man, I'm home all the time. And towards the end, it's like, man, I'm home all the time. And um, we, we actually need something tying us into to Christ who is the head. And that's why we're given actual concrete sacraments. We're given body and blood to make us the body of Christ. We're given uh, the baptism uh, that, that unites us into one body. Um, and, and so the very things that, that we're sort of, you mentioned it before, like not just quibbling about with our Methodist friends, but like we're, we're, we're deeply concerned with because these are the very yeah. things that unite us to Jesus. Leaving them out leaves out the bond that's actually going to hold. Um, we, we need it. Yeah, and and if we again just to address that, if we don't have that bond that actually holds, then all we have is the bonds that we could try to build, and those, as you pointed out, when it comes to social clubs, they just don't last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that's why again that's why those differences actually matters because they they tie us to Christ, or if they're missing, they don't tie us to Christ, and mm -hmm. and that's the key when it comes to this church. Now you've you've talked a lot about the matter of of suffering, and suffering together. Paul also talks about the one who's honored and then rejoicing together, which is, it sounds maybe a little more fun, but at times can be just as difficult and maybe a little bit more so, because sometimes when I see someone else rejoicing, 
and I don't have that same reason to rejoice in my own life personally, there can be jealousy and discontentment. And so I think sometimes we, we forget about that, but that sometimes is a, a challenge for us sinners as well. Yeah, it's um, you, you don't really realize that some of these texts are actually given just for the, the people in those those particular situations. It's easy to celebrate a wedding, but if you're single and, and wishing for more, it's 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 great to to hear at the prayers uh, um, of the church a thanksgiving that somebody's cancer was was put into remission uh, miraculously. But when you've got to go back in for chemo and it's not working, what, what do you do? Um, it's it's one of those I. I I read uh, something about Abraham uh, sacrificing Isaac, uh, that this wasn't actually for everybody to wrestle with, but, but rather for those who have lost, um, to, to recognize that, that God can actually restore the things that seem completely far gone. Um, the things that, that's going to actually allow us to rejoice together is not just sort of, well, good for you, I guess, but, but rather I have the promise in Christ who is my all in all. Um, and, and here I actually get to see a foretaste of what I will finally see on the last great day in my neighbor today. I don't even have to wait to look what, to, to, to try and imagine what healing would look like. They, they're they giving me a foretaste of what I will see in the resurrection, even if my cancer is not put into remission here. I know that I, I, I am lonely and longing for companionship, but but as I celebrate that this wedding, I get to see a foretaste of what it is to be the bride of Christ in the resurrection, to, to rejoice together. Again, does it's, it's not a social club. It, it's rather, can I find in my neighbor who is a part of the body of Christ, just a little picture of Jesus. And, and they're recognized, I'm tied to the same Jesus. I, I can't help but rejoice now. It, it, yeah. it, I'm, I'm caught up in it with them. Yeah. Well, and in that way, then the, the suffering and joy are much closer together than perhaps we would realize. They, they may look like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, but often suffering leads to joy. I mean, they, they just go hand in hand within the Christian life. Death and resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if the a lot, a lot here in this text. Now, one member suffers, all suffer together. One member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse twenty-seven. Then you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And then Paul starts to to take us into to lists. And of course, this is where our attention usually gets drawn in this chapter is is to these lists and like which one am I? I want that one. <laughs> I don't think that's the purpose. But, but we do have a list here, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Help us into what's going on here. Oh, man, it's going to be messy. Like, if, if it wasn't going to be messy, we, we didn't need this. Uh, we can guess at some of these things, but but in truth, we don't really know. The things to sort of hang on to are there is one office of the Holy Ministry. There's there's clergy. There's a lot of different sort of ways that it has been manifested throughout time and space, but it's also addressed in Ephesians chapter 4.11. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers uh, to, to build the church up. Um, and, and so some of these we can pick apart, some of these we can't. Um, the apostles, the, uh, it, it literally means the sent one. Uh, They are the witnesses of the resurrection sent by Christ. We attribute to them the words of Jesus. We attribute to them the the New Testament canon, really. Um, It it matters to us that the authors of the New Testament are tied to the blessed apostles in some way, shape, or form. So even when you have somebody uh, like Mark, uh, it, it matters that that. They, they have some tie to, to one of uh, one of the 12, somebody like Luke who would have been tied uh, as, as well. Um, so we have Peter and Paul, uh, most notably uh, for, for Luke and, and Mark, um, and I think in that order. Um, but I, I might be talking too fast for my brain to pay attention. Uh, but, but just sort of moving right along before I get caught, uh, prophets, uh, they are called immediately. They are called without means. The, 
God spoke, they heard, and it's not to predict the future, but it's rather to reveal the will of God. Uh, so in the Old Testament, the, the prophets were sent not to sort of like, I'm, I'm going to be your magic eight ball, but rather, this is what the Lord would speak about this. Uh, and you can know that they are a prophet, not just because they're, they're doing miracles or, or making predictions, but rather what they're saying is in line with everybody who has spoken the word of God before them. Are they in line with Moses and the Pentateuch and going forward from the prophets? And in, in uh, the Old Testament, you see, you also have John the Baptist, who uh, a lot of people would call the last great prophet. Um, but in Acts 13, 1, Barnabas is referred to as a prophet. Uh, Paul, in a couple of chapters, 1 Corinthians 14, 6, will sort of allude to the fact that he can prophesy. Um, what, what sort of matters here is you are called immediately. You are called without without means. And then we get into sort of the messier ones yet. Uh, you have teachers. Um, but when we say teacher, we don't just sort of mean it the way that we talk about it today. Like you're, you're not sort of um, called by God to be the, the kindergarten teacher here. Um, although we recognize that, that God certainly gives us the, the gift of, of the vocation of teachers. But when, uh, when, when Paul writes teacher here and throughout the rest of the scriptures, it is the public preaching of the word of God, not school teachers. We have to use the context. Otherwise, otherwise it gets really easy to play with the language and move the goalposts. Um, when it comes to, to who are teachers and what they, they should be doing. But uh, well, let's just give in a couple of examples. So Ephesians chapter 4, 11, uh, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. These are the ones who are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 7, for this I was appointed as a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. He equates preaching and teaching together. James chapter 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, which is a very clear office of the Holy Ministry text. Um, when we, we sort of keep this clear, we, we recognize then that, that there is a place for lay people who are teachers to teach. Um, but when we, we have teacher here, we don't want to quarantine um, everybody we see teaching today. Um, into the, the qualifications of the office of the holy ministry. In other words, we can have we can have female teachers. That's fantastic. That that's good. Um, that that's given by God. Um, they, they're given to teach our youth. Um, we we can also have um, in, in the same way um, elders in our church today that are not ordained uh, because the way that we use elder is is not the way that this, the scriptures do. Um, but we we want to sort of be careful here when we see this teacher here. It is somebody who publicly preaches the word of God. Um, and, and here then reveals the truth of Jesus. Uh, moving down the line, miracle well, workers. Just, just briefly, Pastor oh, Goodman, before yeah. you do. So when you're talking about the way that Paul uses teacher in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, as we understand it, we should think less of the per think less about the person who teaches in a school Monday to Friday and more mm -hmm. about someone who proclaims the word of God, especially in the divine service. Right. This is, this is from the pulpit. Like that, that's what we're saying. Thus saith the Lord, um, your sins are forgiven, and this is what it means. This is what it looks like. Um, that this is this is a, a Sunday morning text. Um, and, and again, that that sort of lets us differentiate between what's happening on a Sunday morning inside of the divine service and all the other auxiliary offices that happen inside of the church that are perfectly good. Um, and, and when we sort of mush them all together, uh, it, it gets uncomfortable real fast, and then we just end up playing gotcha with each other, even though we've moved the goalposts on ourselves. Um, let, okay. Let's just so, yeah. I just wanted to, yeah. So that's yeah. That when Paul uses the word teacher, he is using it in a different way than we normally use it in our English language today. Yep. Correct. And we're talking yeah. especially about what happens in the public proclamation on a Sunday morning in the divine service. The, yeah, we're the talking role about of what we would call pastor, generally. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. 
Keep and then we have all, the one we all want to call dibs on, which is Miracle Workers. And like the, the shortest right. answer here is, I don't know. Um, like I, I that 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 I have not ended my life recklessly and violently by my own stupidity is no small miracle. Like, do you get to count that? Does it have to be like, I prayed at their bedside and they got better. Is that yours? Um, or, or like, you're going to do some weirdness. Like I, I, I clubbed my, uh, staff on a rock and water came out. So, uh, like dibs, um, here, I think actually for us, uh, we get to recognize this is messy because it's not ranked in order. This is not measured in terms of works. It's just a recognition that God does certain things in sometimes in places. And so for us then, we talk about pastors, uh, the, the office of the ministry in terms of the immediate call and the immediate call, the call immediately through means and the immediate call, the apart from means call. The immediate call is like God's that the sky talked at you and said, go be a pastor now. And you're like, uh, how will they know to believe me? Because a lot of people are saying, God told me to tell you. Um, and most of them are saying, give me money. So, so like when you are called immediately, think about the prophets of old, signs were always done alongside it. So it, not only could you do a miracle, but the things that you were telling, God said me to sent me to tell you this, they line up with that which has been said before. So it's it's hard to be an immediately called pastor because they have to do miracles and they have to be in line with everything that was done before them. Everybody sort of want if I could heal the sick, church would be full on Sunday. That'd be great. Uh, but but rather, how did it go for most of the prophets who did the miracles? It went real bad. I don't think life would be any easier. But but rather today we typically have the immediately pastors, the pastors who are called through means. So the Holy Spirit has promised to work through means, through people and stuff. So at your voters meeting, the Holy Spirit promised to actually vote, to, uh, to, to, to work within the vote, excuse me. And here I get to say, I know you're my pastor because, well, you were installed here. That's God's promise to me. And now I don't need you to do a miracle. I need the church to continue to be the church. And then the things that you say still have to be in line with those things that have gone before you. Um, you don't get to make up your own stuff in either case. Uh, but, but rather, uh, you get to say that the church works through means. And, and for us right now, in some, in some synods, in some church bodies, you have a bishop. In, in ours, we have uh, the, the congregation who, who uh, usually typically votes. Uh, and here we get to say God can work with that to provide a pastor. And, and rejoice that it's beautifully, wonderfully boring because now I don't need to wait for a bush to talk at me to figure out who my pastor is. I get to I get to know because it's in the bulletin if I skip the voters meeting. Um, and in all of it, um, the, the, the way that we close it down is probably the most important. Well, before we leave the, the list behind, you, know, okay. you said that the, the order ultimately is not the point. However, I do think, I wonder if in the context of Corinth, where, it, as we'll discover in a few chapters, the speaking in tongues was very highly valued. I wonder if there is something to him putting that at the end. And, and maybe you, you kind of wonder if, if they are not emphasizing the, the proclamation of God's Word being done by apostles and prophets and teachers. To the, and, and again, maybe it's hard to know specifically, perhaps, but, but perhaps when we think about what the, the parts of the body that are that are very honorable and the most desirable Maybe we sometimes think about it backwards. I think that's it. But it, it sort of comes to what is your pastor supposed to do? He is supposed to speak in line with the rest of the prophets and the apostles who have gone before. He's supposed to preach the gospel to you. And if you've left that behind, it doesn't matter how many miracles you've done. The devil does plenty. Um, but, but rather than you're measuring the wrong thing. If, if you have, have preached faithfully the word of God, and administer the sacraments according to God's institution, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Whether or not that the, rock, the water ever uh, came forth from the rock and watered your grass so you didn't have to pay somebody. Uh, but, but rather, if, if all you focused on is, is how were you a faith healer, but you, you lied about what God says, woe to you. 
Um, and, and if you're so caught up in the, the trappings of sort of like the, the supposed higher gifts, um, that, that you've lost sight of the preaching of the gospel, uh, Paul, well, Paul would show you a, a more excellent way. So to Corinth, that was, was really caught up in this, the, the speaking in tongues. For us, honestly, that, that go looking for miracles in a world that looks awful gray, uh, we, we are again called back to the one thing that actually still, right back at the beginning, knits us into him who is the head. Yeah. So, I mean, these these questions that he asks in verse 29, are all apostles, prophets, teachers, do all work miracles, etc.? The answer to that is is no, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, you don't, but it's okay. It's okay. I yeah. don't want to be an apostle. Like, that went rough for them. Um, uh, it's hard enough being a pastor. Uh, like, the prophets the prophets were stoned. Um, is this something you're, you're ascribing to? Like, you just want to do the cool stuff they did. You just want the attention that they got. Instead, where is Jesus? Like that's still the question I want to ask. Where is Jesus in this whole conversation? Because if you left him out, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so Paul then in verse 31, which is sometimes you'll, this will get split into two, and and 31b gets included mm-hmm. with chapter 13. There does seem to be a bit. Uh, there's clearly, I think, a transition here from this conversation to the the very famous one that happens in chapter 13 that we'll pick up tomorrow. He says, "Earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way." Help us to, to begin to make that turn that we'll pick up more in the text tomorrow. Yeah, there is something inside of us, be we clergy or lay people, that always wanted to, to sort of measure things by how much we are doing. Um, how, how fancy is it? How, how worldly is it? How glorious is it according to what the world would call good? Um, Paul calls us to look at, at higher things. Uh, nice little plug there, huh? I see um, what you did there. This is where we come from. Uh, this is a call to look not at, at the things of the world, but of the things of the gospel. We, we look to Jesus. Um, and, and so as Paul starts to transition to talk about love, um, we, we get to recognize Paul's actually not happy that they're fighting about talking in tongues. He's not even, like, if you never did another miracle in your church, but you preach the gospel better, Paul would be happier. Like, he, he's, he's kind of reprimanding them through all of this thing. And so all the things that we're actually bickering with each other and, and fighting with each other about, Paul would just do without. I, I, I love it when sick people get better, but it, it's far more important to me that, that they be raised on the last day to live in righteousness and purity forever before God uh, in the resurrection. And, and, and so... When, when we gather around higher things, um, we, we gather around the pure preaching of the gospel. We gather around the, the sacraments that sustain us and, and the teachings that point us only and always to Jesus and not salvation by our works. Whenever we get caught up in salvation by our works, by, by trying or, or by feeling our way into there, by, by the enthusiasm of like how moved were you in this service, uh, you lose sight of, of Jesus because now it's rooted in, in you. Um, and, and it will turn inward against yourself and it will turn outward against your neighbor when in all of it, Paul would have us look to to Jesus. It actually lets us talk then about what love is. Um, and it's not just sort of the pretty wedding text that the next guy is going to have fun, but it's Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Uh, if, if you're looking to, to the Spirit, the fruit will come. Um, we, we, we are desperate to be tied to Jesus because this is the thing that endures. This is the thing that is greater than anything that that would bring fame and fortune by worldly standards, because it's the thing that saves us from the devil, the world, our own sinful flesh, and even COVID. Um, and, and so then we, we, we must constantly be shown this to. It, it, it matters. Um, I will show you still a more excellent way because it's, it's not intuitive. It's not something we're going to grasp by our own reason or strength. It's something that, that has to be preached to us over and over and over again. Um, 
And it's it's why uh, so many times our, our idols have to sort of be ripped from our hands so that there can be made room for the gospel because we can't actually hold both as much as we wish that we could. Um, I want to be the, the pastor who is defined by, and then I'll immediately def- I'll immediately go away from, was the gospel preached? Did people hear? Was was faith created? Was the spirit? And I'll say, did I get it? Did I get it? Did I do a good job? Where, where am I in this? You can't hold both. You can't hold, can I can I be friends to the world? And instead, we, we just look to Jesus and we say, the rest will come as it needs to. There will still be miracles. Like that's the, the wonderful thing. Even though people were bickering and using miracle working for, for lifting each other up and standing on top of each other instead of actually good for neighbor, God still worked miracles in the church. Um, when the church was persecuted, there were tongues that were spoken. And, and if it ever comes back to that, I imagine they might pop back up because the, the tongues weren't actually to, to um, hide the, um, the, the, the tongues weren't to, to hide the gospel from everybody in the room, but rather they were to let the gospel be preached uh, when, when it was maybe not the safest thing. Um, if it ever comes to that, I imagine they'll pop up. What's wonderful is it, and I imagine we'll do the same thing and get real egotistical about it. God will still give us that which we, we need and he'll give us even more because God gives good gifts abundantly. And, and so that's the thing to keep falling back on. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the higher things, the higher gifts. I'm a especially, fan. I, I know. <laughs> is, that, is that just, that is where the name comes from, correct? That's is this it, verse? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, as just thinking through this chapter as a whole, that, that matter of the higher things, the higher gifts, I, I would even take it all the way back to the beginning of chapter 12, where before Paul ever talked about any of the things like being an apostle or speaking in tongues, he talks about the foundation, which is Jesus is Lord. And that confession, that highest gift of all, is given through the work of the Holy Spirit. And apart from that, that confession, you're not part of Christ. And that's what really matters. And so it's almost like, yeah, he's, he's drawing you all the way back to the beginning of his chapter before then he does move you on to this more excellent way that's coming here in chapter 13, which is going to be centered in Christ as well, not to steal everybody's thunder, but but that's, yeah, the, the higher things that's found in, in Christ, who is Lord. God be praised. Absolutely. Pastor Harrison Goodman is the content executive for the Lutheran Youth Organization Higher Things. He has been helping us today to study 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. Pastor Goodman, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having me and giving me these verses. God be praised that he has arranged us in the body of Christ. He has connected us to him who is our head, and in him we have the fullness of his gifts, the highest thing of all, faith in him, the Lord over all, our Savior. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about 1 Corinthians 12, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.